Monday night, 10 o'clock, and that means a brand new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comics and politics. Tonight we've got a fantastic guest, uh, Jody Hauser, who's part of the team who it will be uh, launching the comic Faith from Valiant Comics. Uh, before we uh, get to her and start chatting, I want to uh, kick it over to my co-host, Alana, who has something to say about the passing of David Bowie. Hi. Um, you know, it's today is a hard day for a lot of people, including myself, um, who David Bowie made a huge impact on from our childhood through now. Um, I think, like, a number of people have said very powerfully that today is a day of mourning for a lot of LGBTQ people and for artists and anybody who felt like they were an outsider really growing up, having David Bowie be someone who was publicly celebrated as a genius and whose work was accessible to us was just really powerful. Um, I know that, uh, you know, a lot of people in comics uh, have come to Bowie, you know, on their own, and a lot of new people might be coming to Bowie now through comics like The Wicked and the Divine, uh, which Jamie McKelvey and Karen Gillan write. Uh, and I'm just really excited that they will... will you know, future generations will also have that opportunity. Uh, Bowie is somebody who is visually represented in a lot of comics art. I could really talk a long, long time about it, uh, but I don't want to take up too much of our call today. So we're going to go and talk with our awesome guest, and then at the end, we'll maybe talk a little bit about Bowie and, and his relationship to comics a little bit more. But I do just want to urge people, if you haven't listened to his new record, Black Star, to go and listen to it uh, because he wrote it knowing that he was going to die. It is his like last will and testament in music and it's brilliant. And we're incredibly lucky to have this last album for from him before he, before he passed on. Yes. Uh, we'll definitely talk more at the, the end of the show. Um, but to uh, get to our guest, um, Jody Hauser. Earned so her that's MFA. what I got for now. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll definitely talk <laughs> a me? lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Hi. Okay, so yeah, yeah I'm just going to keep it with that for the time being, and uh, I'll maybe speak a little bit more at the end. So, um, Brett, want to go ahead and introduce our guest? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so Jody earned her MFA in creative writing at Emerson College of Boston, uh, where she completed her master's thesis in screenwriting, was a winner of the Rod Parker Fellowship for Playwriting. Uh, she's started with webcomics in 2006 and uh, is behind the webcomic Cupcake Pow, which has been up since 2010, which is really impressive. You can also find that on Comicsology uh, Submit. Uh, she's contributed to tons of comics and anthologies, including Womenthology Heroic, Womenthology Space from IDW, CMYK Magenta from Vertigo, Avengers No More Bullying from Marvel, Dead Roots, Rise, Comics Against Bullying, um, all fantastic stuff. Um, she's also written Orphan Black for IDW and Agent May for Marvel, uh, two recent ones. But the reason she is joining us uh, is she is part of the team bringing uh, the breakout star of Valiant, Faith to her own series, uh, I believe this month is when it's debuting. Uh, for those that don't know uh, Faith, um, she is a character that debuted in the Valiant universe in a series called Harbinger. She's a hit hero, uh, partially because her awesome outlook on life, and she's super relatable, but she's also a, a character that actually looks like real people. Um, mm-hmm. So, welcome Jody. thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me, and I think that was a more succinct uh, biography than I could have put together. So, <laughs> great, um, great. 
Yeah, so thank you for having us or you know, joining us. The, the first question I always like to ask is um, how you actually got into comics. Like, where did you start and you know, what got your interest in them? Oh, well, I mean, I started out more as a fan of superheroes than as comics as a kid because uh, when I was young, I missed um, the heyday of uh, 60s and 70s superhero television, but I could still see Wonder Woman and uh, Batman on syndication in the afternoon sometimes. So I sort of grew up with that and the Christopher Reeve Superman movies and the Supergirl movie, which I actually adored and uh, still have positive feelings for more so than many people. Um, and the first comic I actually read, and I'll try not to do my usual discussion of this because I can talk way too long about it, uh, is actually a anti-smoking comic from Marvel that they handed out in schools. And I think it was originally done in the seventies, but they were still handing it out, uh, in schools in the nineties. So it was kind of super dated. I think the only thing they really kept updating was the price of a pack of cigarettes on, on like the back, like the info, like this is how much money you're spending if you have a smoking habit but it was storm uh power man luke cage wearing his disco era outfit and uh spider-man take on a supervillain named smokescreen who's getting inner city track stars hooked on cigarettes to bet against them in the uh high stakes world of uh, gambling on high school track meets i guess very evil plan yes and it's (laughs) I mean, it's kind of terrible, but it was also amazing, and i that's actually the reason um, I ended up watching the X-Men cartoon, because it was like, oh, Storm, I, I know who that is. She's in that thing that they gave me in school. So, so I actually knew who Storm was before I knew who Wolverine was in terms of X-Men characters, which is pretty entertaining. And then, um, you know, Batman, the animated series, got me buying the Batman Adventures tie-in comics. So that was sort of what got me actually going in, uh, not comic shops back then, but bookstores and uh, getting comics off the spinner rack. And I very quickly got into the uh, 90s era Catwoman, which uh, I loved as a kid and still love a lot of things about that run. And yeah, I've been reading comics ever since. That's an amazing story. I love it. And uh, how did you first start creating your own comics? Uh, Well, um, back uh, when I was in school, I had a friend who introduced me to, um, I think it was Modern Tales was the name of the website back then, that had a bunch of web comics, and in particular, uh, Shannon Garrity's Narbonic. I started reading, and I just adored it. And I had to wait a few years until I developed enough Photoshop skills to compensate for my uh, complete lack of drawing ability. But I started doing my first webcomic then in 2006, and then uh, Cupcake Pow, which actually I ran for five straight years and just put on hiatus a bit a few months ago because I just I've been a little overwhelmed with all the uh, paying comics work um, that I started in 2010, and uh, I was sort of doing these more as a fun way to actually get writing out in the world because I'd moved out to LA and I was writing spec scripts and trying to pursue a career in screenwriting. And when you're doing that, you're producing a lot of work that no one ever sees. So you can say, I'm a writer, but you kind of don't have anything to back that up, you know? So I wanted to have work that was visible so I could be like, I'm a writer here. Here's a website URL that is proof of that. And, you know, it was also sort of a good thing to develop to be putting out work on a set schedule. So I think that helped develop, good discipline just in terms of, you know, there's actually someone paying attention, so you need to sit down and do the work because people will. 
you know, the, the three people who read your comic will might possibly get angry if they notice you didn't put it up. Uh, so I was doing web comics for a while, but I, even though I've been reading comics for my whole life and I'd wanted to be a writer for my whole life, for some reason, those two didn't really come together until I started doing the anthology stories. And I was like, I really enjoy this. This is great. I want to keep doing that. So I actually decided I wanted to be a professional comics writer after I worked with Fiona Staples, which sounds like a asshole thing to say, but <laughs> But yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, it was pretty much just experimentation that got me here. Well, the uh, screenwriting wasn't taking off. So there you go. Well, that's really interesting. I I, uh, I love hearing people's stories like that. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about Faith in particular right now. I just wanted to give a little bit of background of how I first heard about this. I um, Brett, my co-host, has been a big champion of Valiant Comics and has been telling me that I need to read them. Like he's been telling me this for a while, and you know, it, it's hard to start. It's hard to break into a new superhero world when you have a lot of stuff invested in other places. But I was at New York Comic Con, and then there was a session, and I didn't really know what I'd go to it. So I said, it, and the, it was the Valiant session. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna go to the Valiant session. I'll check it out and see what they have. And I go in there, and I begin to hear people presenting about the comics. And first, I'm struck by the fact that the art quality is very high, and I'm very picky, so that's saying something. And then the next thing I know, I see the image of Faith on the screen with the new uh, cover by Marguerite Savage, and my jaw just drops. And I think I made a squealing sound, and I said, oh, my God, somebody is making a plus-size superhero. And it's like, wait, and she's not just a member of a team. It's like her comic. It's just for her. This has never happened before, and I was ecstatic. And I took a picture of the screen at the and I um, sent it on Tumblr. I posted it on Tumblr, and I tagged a few like size positive um, women on Tumblr on Twitter accounts, like you know um, who do like fat advocacy and fat acceptance and stuff like that. And was like, have you guys seen this? And they were very impressed. Um, so as soon as I knew this was happening, I knew that this was going to be great, and I knew we had to have you on the show. Um, so hopefully this will bring a lot of new people to Valiant. Uh, so I know I know it's bringing me. Um, and so thank you. That's awesome uh, to hear. Yeah. I, so I was wondering, how did you get um, pitched up on this title? How did you get connected to writing about faith? Uh, well, Valiant was having me pitch for some stuff, and they actually had me read Harbinger. Uh, which is the team book that Faith originated from. And they pretty much said, you know, see if there's any characters in the book that you want to do a one-shot or a miniseries for. And they didn't actually give me any specifics, so I kind of had some free range there. And Faith was really the standout character for me um, because, you know, it's, I, I always love the geek characters in science fiction and especially in comics because there's something wonderful about the geek who gets to live the dream and go out and be the superhero and faith definitely falls in that category. But I think the thing that's unique about faith compared to say uh, Kamala Khan, who's a, I mean, if you haven't, anyone who hasn't been reading Ms. Marvel needs to read Ms. Marvel, but when Kamala Khan's a fan of the Avengers, there are real people in her world that she can then go and team up with, which is amazing. But for Faith, she's the one who's been reading the Avengers comics her whole life. So there's sort of like a little bit of a divide there that I think makes her a little bit closer to the fans in the real world. And on top of that, just the fact that she was the positive and bright point in this book that was great, but kind of a little dark. I mean, your lead character is a drug addict who 
uh, has done some questionable things with his powers, and you know there's there was some there was essentially a, he essentially raped his best friend, which is mm-hmm. you know dark dark book, but and yeah. then faith is wow. just this like bright beam of light who's like I'm a superhero, this is the best thing ever, and you know that really stands out. And she had a one shot, so I was a little worried that they wouldn't go for you know another book with her. But it turns out everyone at Value just adores faith, and they wanted to do a book with her for a while. So I just sort of came in at the right time and was like, hey, I really like this character. I'd like to do something with her. And they said, yep, go ahead, pitch. And and here we are today. That's awesome. Um, do, do you have any thoughts on the importance of like having a plus-size superhero character? I mean, I do. That was definitely something I was thinking about when I was pitching her. It wasn't the main reason I wanted to write her, but you know, that was something that I did recognize that there are not heroes who look like this. And there's been so much discussion in recent years about the portrayal of women in comics and the female form. And, you know, that's, it's an ongoing discussion still, but I think it wasn't until those covers were released and I started hearing reactions from people that I just realized how important it is to people. Cause I'm, I'm coming from a place of, uh, Oh, you go ahead and use the word that people don't like privilege where, that hasn't necessarily been something I've had to think about. And just having women tell me that they've waited their whole lives for this and they cried when they saw those covers, I mean, that's really deeply meaningful. And that's something that you want to do your best to pay honor to and just do your best to treat these characters right because they really do mean that much. I mean, one of one of the things that I've spoken about in regards to uh, some other series is like sometimes comics will create a character and the the artist who creates her will give her a specific body type that'll be not the norm, you know, whether she's flat chested or whether she's very curvy but doesn't look like the standard comics body or whether she's heavier. And then subsequent artists will go and just draw them skinny. Like this happened to one of my favorite characters in Marvel recently, and it's been just really frustrating. Um, and so, you know, it's it's cool to see like that you're working with more than one artist on this book and that she's being portrayed consistently you know, as, you know, being a large woman, basically. And I, it's, you know, like, it's a question, like, how do you keep future, future work and artists from, like, slimming her down out of habit, it seems, more than almost anything else? Yeah, and I think, I think even among the artists we've had and the covers we've had, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say that she's been, like, consistently the exact same size. I mean, I think there's definitely some variation based on artist styles, but I think they understand that this is who the character is at the same time, and maybe she doesn't look exactly the same, but, you know, there is a specific body type that she is, no matter what your art style is, and that's something you have to maintain. And I think that Valiant is very protective of their properties. And I mean, they're only putting out, you know, six to eight books a month. So I think they actually have the time to make sure that everything is in line with what they want to see from their characters. So I think that's one of the benefits of having a smaller publisher as well. One of the things that struck me about the character is her attitude and being so positive. Um, as you, you pointed out, like Harbinger's really dark at times, um, yet she's the one that's always like, this is awesome. Um, and it actually kind of comes up in her arc in Unity when she joins that team and, you know, those people are complete psychopaths at times. And she's like, this isn't for me. Um, and I think out of everything, she, she's like, it's been a slow and gradual, but she's really grown from like this naive character to being a, a much smarter about the world um, throughout that. I mean, like, what is kind of, and that's what stood out to me about the character. You know, what 
about you? Like, what do you find really interesting about her? I think it's sort of what you brought up. And at the same time, I think, you know, there's definitely some naivete there when she first came on the scene because she's a teenager. You know, she just doesn't have the life experience. But, you know, that's not to say that her life has been all happy and joy and roses because she was orphaned as a child. And that's something she had to do. And that's, you know, the kind of the traditional superhero origin story, too. But rather than, you know, um, go all dark vengeance on, I guess, drunk drivers because her parents were killed in an accident, she decides to embrace the things that they loved, which was the science fiction and the comics. And that's sort of how she honors her parents is she continues this love that they taught her of these characters. And that's where a lot of her moral base comes from. So I think it's, there is, there, you know, I'm not going to argue that she hasn't grown and she wasn't a little bit more naive at the beginning, but I think also her worldview is based, based very much on how she chooses to see the world. I mean, I think that was a conscious decision for her. And like you said, with unity, she, goes and joins this team and is like, nope, they're just killing people right and left and that's not for me. I know what kind of superhero I am. This isn't it. See you later and hops in a cab and drives off with a smile on her face because she is 100% happy and confident in her decision. And I love that, that she knows who she is already. You know, a lot of superhero origin stories are very much about finding yourself and figuring out who you are. And she's already done a lot of that. So I think the fun with this series is just seeing how far she can grow and how much more she can be. I thought it was a cool choice to have her, you know, be an aspiring journalist because that's what Clark Kent did. And of course (laughs) now there's no jobs in journalism. She she writes listicles for Buzzfeed, basically. I thought that was a nice little bit of modern commentary and it lined up with like her origins and interests really well. I, I don't know if you want to expand on, on the, that little biographical piece there, but I, I thought that was quite charming. Yeah, I, I actually really have been having a lot of fun with that just because her basis for how to be a superhero is the same as us, and she's working off these same cultural touchstones that we're familiar with. It's a lot of fun to take her and see which elements work in the real world, like she's, you know, the real world for her. Um, Mm. So, you know, she has a disguise with glasses, but she also wears a wig because she's smart enough to know just glasses (laughs) are, you know, that doesn't constitute a secret identity in the quote unquote real world. So, you know, she's, she's playing things a little bit smarter and it's, you know, again, she, uh, I did actually set it up. The company she works for is uh, Zipline and I very much did model them on BuzzFeed in that they do listicles and fun things, but they also have, a legit news department and do long-form journalism. And that's what she was aiming for, but her entire resume was fandom-based blogs on Tumblr and the like. So she got <laughs> shunted off to the pop culture department. But that's okay because she likes that stuff and she's still employed, which is, you know, good good when you're living in Los Angeles by yourself. She really is the yep. readership. Do you know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah, she's me. I, I mean, and I, this is the first time I've gotten to write something set in Los Angeles where I've lived for a number of years now, so I'm just having way too much fun with that. Uh, the, the other thing I know is that with the, the series, I mean, you're giving her a much bigger cast to deal with and a lot of, you know, side characters. Um, what are your thought processes of going through them? And the first thing that really stood out to me is it's a diverse cast, um, which is awesome to see in, you know, any comic. Yeah, and I mean, I think that we're at the point now 
where that's something you have to think about. You, you know, again, like I said, I live in Los Angeles. I know not everyone in Los Angeles is white. Uh, so, you know, you have to make an effort to portray a realistic view of a real place, especially. And, you know, we're at the point now where people notice if you don't. So, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I really don't think it takes a lot of effort. You just have to make the decision to not be lazy and put effort into creating well-rounded and interesting characters, which is really what you should be doing anyway. Uh, I have to ask, is, uh, is the scene with, not to give spoilers away, with the uh, improv, did that, is that like based on a real experience? Uh, that was just more not. I have a lot of friends who did, do improv, and I was actually in an improv troupe myself when I first moved out to L.A. Um, there was there was a one time I was woken up by my downstairs neighbor doing improv like years ago, and it was <laughs> it was like 6 a.m. on a Saturday or something too, you know, something really ridiculous. I had to like go and bang on his door and tell them to stop screaming. <laughs> but oh wow. I don't think it was, you know, it wasn't specifically a nod to that, but I think that's something that uh, is not unfamiliar to residents in L.A. <laughs> that would be like hashtag L.A. problems. Like, I have a subset <laughs> of things, the hashtag New York problems, like, help, my bicycle that is that is hung up on the ceiling hit me on the head because there's no storage space in my apartment. That's like a New York <laughs> problem. And help, my neighbors, like, are doing improv loudly is an L.A. problem, I think, probably most of all. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you. Yeah, I sort of wanted to open with a very like this. This is where she is living now, and this is her new status quo type of scene, and that was just really what came to mind. So <laughs> maybe I have been living in LA too long. <laughs> it works. It works for me. Um, one of the things, also, you know, you're talking about how she has her wig and glasses that are part of her secret identity. Faith's actual identity, like Faith, is a. Oh my God, I'm forgetting her last name. I'm so sorry. Uh, Herbert. Faith. Yes. She is a, like the world in Valiant knows her name. So she has to make up a pseudonym basically to have a day job. So there really are like three names in this book. There's Faith, superhero name Zephyr, and then there's her alias. Yes. And that, that that's actually something I might delve into. It's not uh, going to be like in this first issue, but I'd like to sort of touch on that because it is a little bit more complicated. Um, back in Harbinger when she was running around with the renegades, and they were taking on Harada and pretty much like unveiling what he was doing to the world. They weren't trying to hide her identities, but now that she's sort of doing the traditional superhero thing, it's like, well, wait, you know, if I meet people, this is going to get weird. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not like my ex-boyfriend who wants to have a reality TV show. I would like to, you know, like have some privacy and also hopefully not get people killed. Cause I mean, that's actually <laughs> something she's dealt with. She lost one of her friends on her old team. So I think, you know, she's definitely going to be a little bit more sensitive about that than she's maybe willing to admit. And, you know, she is going to, there is always that worry that if you're a superhero and you make some enemies that they're going to come after the people that you love. So, you know, I think a lot of times that's why you see the secret identity in comics is to protect not necessarily themselves, but the people around them. So I think that's definitely something she is very keenly aware of. Um, what what was the decision to call the, the books Faith as opposed to Zephyr? Um, I think some of that was based on the uh, previous one shot being called Faith. That was, I think they were just like, you want to call it Faith? And I was like, okay. And there wasn't a lot of uh, input or decision-making, I guess, on that on my end. So that, that was more on the Valiant side, but I was always okay with that. And I think, you know, since she does sort of have the three different identities in the book, that's 
the core of who she is really is faith. So that, you know, to me, that makes sense for the title. Uh, for the fans though, like the fans also, what I've paid attention to online, generally call her faith, don't call her Zephyr. Like that seems what to be kind of what they've glommed on, uh, you know, to describe her, to, well, to just her name, uh, which is, yeah, I think very strange both. for characters. I mean, I've I've had people who uh, I I think it was at New York Comic Con. I was talking to someone at the Valiant booth who didn't quite realize that Faith was about Zephyr, like they knew Zephyr from Harbinger. But and they're like, oh, Faith, that yeah. So it took them a minute to make that connection. So I think I think fans know her by both. And you know, I definitely tried to make it clear uh, for new readers in the book that there are the three names going on. So hopefully that won't be too confusing for new readers, but. The example I sort of bring up is uh, Spider-Gwen, whose real name is Gwen Stacy, and who's going by Spider-Woman, and then the title of the book is neither of those, really. So, <laughs> right. right. I, I guess I, I, I really... Sorry. I think comic fans are smart enough to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I, I like that she has a superhero name, though, just because like so many of like the best characters who come on later like everybody calls jessica jones jessica jones and people don't call luke cage power man anymore and i mean i know there's a new character called power man now but i just i like the idea that she'll have that she has a superhero name just like batman does just like green arrow does like i think to me it kind of makes her feel more like a real superhero and I think, like, you know, if, you're, if you've been a fan of superheroes all your life and you suddenly get superpowers, one of the first things you're going to do is come up with a really cool name for yourself. Because, again, you're living the dream. You know, you gotta, you got to go whole hog on this. Yeah, well, let's face it, totally. some of us are coming up with names and don't have superpowers. Um, <laughs> but, but you, you see, you, have, you, you kind of have to wait and see what superpowers you have because you want your name to tie into what those powers are. Like she can it's fly, true. so her name is Zephyr, which is one of the four wins, so it works. I really like the name. I, I do. For the, yeah, for the series, I think the thing that, you know, I've, I've been reading it since Harbinger, and the thing that I think is really, really fascinating on it is that it's clearly new reader friendly, but for those who have read Harbinger, you pick up on some threads that like you haven't really seen since that presented, or like the Faith one shot, I think. Um, you know, what was your thought going into like the creative process of balancing those two things, and like what got you to want to bring back? Um, I don't even, it's like X. Like, what's the proper way of saying the name X or X? I just say um, X. I'm not sure if that's proper, but I. Yeah, he's not going to complain. I mean, to me, it was, you know, you definitely want to build up a world around her, which is what a lot of the new supporting cast is. But at the same time, you know, she's not, especially Faith, she's not someone who would just forget about everyone she'd ever been friends with before and ignore them starting her new life. I mean, she's someone who really values friendship and those relationships she's built. So, um, I kind of just let the character really guide that. You know, it's like these are the people she'd still be in touch with. These are the people she may not be talking to, but is probably aware of what's going on with them and and such. So there's definitely going to be some appearances from others in the Valiant universe that you might see in the first issue. So, um, and again, you're trying to keep it friendly for new readers. But I think, again, you know, people coming into comics, they don't necessarily want to see a character that just sprung up out of nothing yesterday and has no backstory or history or anything. I think those are the things that really make characters interesting. And, you know, that that's why they have stories worth telling. 
Do you think there's anything that new readers should know about the Valiant universe that like they might not know coming into it? Like I literally knew nothing. Um, it's good. You should read the books. Uh, no, uh, I think I. Well, I think one of the cool things about Valiant, and I've seen this um, mentioned by Dinesh in a recent interview, is that you know for, for the most part the characters are superheroes, but the stories themselves have a very wide range of genres. So, you know, a book like Faith um, is is a really interesting fit because it's like sort of like a we have comedy books and then there's superhero books, but I don't think they've really had like a super classic styled superhero book that had comedic overtones. So it's it's a lot of fun playing with something that's new. So I think for people jumping in on the book, they who really like the tone in that specific genre, they'll find things that are similar at Valiant, but also like a whole broad range of different type of books to read. I mean, Dr. Mirage is their other like really well-known female-led book that's out right now, and that's very much like a dark, noir, like fantasy romance ghost story, which is very different, but also excellent. Mm-hmm. One thing that really the really kind of um, stands out to me about Valiant is that the universe is very new reader friendly, like it flows nicely. And if you're a new reader, you don't necessarily need to know all the continuity. You can usually jump in at very key moments. Um, is that something that they, you know, as a company, they consciously do, especially with the writers and coming up with the series? Or, I mean, is it just kind of dumb luck that this is happening? It seems very plain uh, have they, I actually just went to the Valiant uh, Writers Retreat in December, so I can say it's very much not dumb luck, and they actually do plan these things. Nice. Um, and it was actually really cool. The retreat, um, I, myself, and Rafer Roberts, who's coming on to Archer and Armstrong, were the new kids on the block. But, I mean, it was pretty much working out, you know, what a lot of the books and storylines were going to be for the next year. And, you know, uh, that's, it, they are very conscious of that. And, Again, I think with a smaller line, it's a lot easier to sort of cultivate that closeness in the universe. But you're right. At the same time, it is pretty easy to jump on board. The first book I ever read from Valiant was actually uh, Exo Man of War, which was one of their launch titles for the rebirth of the Valiant universe and had a lot of characters popping in, like Bloodshot and Jack. And there was definitely enough context there to sort of get who they were in the realm of the story. And I think that's what I tried to emulate the most with Faith is like, here's these characters. They sort of exist. Here's a little bit about them, just enough so you know what's going on, but you don't have to read a, you know, half a issue biography on them. And you're all set, hopefully. How did you get uh, matched for the artists that you're working with? I, I certainly know Marguerite Savage's work, and I think it's gorgeous. And I love the way she draws Faith. It's like, a really beautiful, like large woman, um, but you know, and and yeah, and uh, like, how did you ma- how did you get matched with the artistic team on the title? Uh, well, we ended up getting uh, Margaret Savage to do a few pages for each issue, and the first issue I put in some little fantasy sequences for fun, and now that's going to spin out through all four issues, and that will be what she's working on. And uh, Francis Portella is, he's done a lot of work for Valiant. I know he just most recently, I think it was most recently, did uh, Ivar Timewalker, which uh, was probably one of my favorite things I read from Valiant that came out in the past year. And he's just really good. I feel like um, Valiant, when they get really good artists, they do their best to keep giving them work so that they stay with Valiant, which is uh, probably pretty much what all publishers 
two different <laughs> books for hire try to do. But um, yeah, I know I know Francis they've worked with before, and I think since I'm a new writer uh, for them, they were probably happy to have like a newer writer paired with a more experienced Valiant artist. That I mean, that makes sense to me at least. Gotcha. Okay. Um, now the costume was something that it looks like was inherited from the earlier comics. Are, do you have like thoughts or feelings about ways that it might change or stay the same or are anything about the significance of it? Um, well, yeah, that's the costume she had uh, that came from the Harbinger Foundation, which was uh, where she met her teammates. And that's definitely something she's hanging on to for right now. I don't want to say too much, but maybe that will change. I, I, I mean, one of the things I'm conscious of is like cosplayers love variant costumes. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping that in mind. But, you know, obviously, it, if it changed, it would be for a story reason and not just for fun, but it would hopefully also be fun. <laughs> but I see, I've seen there actually there's already people doing cosplay with existing costumes. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think that she's been around. I mean, she was created in the uh, older Valiant universe back in the 90s, and then she's been around since the relaunch of Valiant in 2012. So. I would guess pretty much since the inception of the newer version of Harbinger that there have been cosplayers playing her. And I mean, I mean, she's definitely become a favorite of Valiant fans. I've seen, you know, some not so nice comments on some of the more mainstream articles that, you know, weren't necessarily all comic fans. And I've seen Valiant fans jump on them and go, no, this is the history of this character and this is why she's awesome and shut up. So I <laughs> oh, think Valiant, cool. Valiant fans not only really love Faith, but they're kind of protective of her, which is really cool to see, actually. And I've just had so many people been waiting for this book, and not for any more reason than they just love this character. I also feel like there's a lot of people who just never, it, they never have considered reading comics, but if they knew that there was a comic with a plus-size superhero, like, they would check that out. So I don't, do you know if there's much of a plan to do outreach to, like, you know, like the fat positive community or to like uh, plus size fashion, social media folks and stuff like that. I don't know if there's a specific outreach for those groups in particular. Um, that, although that's a really, really good idea. Uh, hi, marketing valiant people. You should be listening <laughs> to this. Um, I know they've actually uh, been trying to do a push for more mainstream media. I did an interview with people mm -hmm. in the Washington Post so I think they were just sort of going for broader mainstream, but I mean, mm -hmm. that's I've definitely seen articles pop up, you know, because I I, uh, I get search results because I'm one of those people for stuff I'm writing. But yeah, I've definitely seen articles on sites that were catered toward fat positivity and fashion and such. So I think the word is getting out there, even if there hasn't yet been a, like a specifically targeted marketing push. Cool. That's really good. Yeah, I just think that there's an audience that won't even know that they're looking for this, who would be really mm -hmm. happy to have found it once they see it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, no, I'm not definitely. really. Yeah, I'm not really part of that social media. Like, I'm not part of that social media fandom. I guess as the main word. Like, I don't know. Um, but uh, you know, I was sort of. I was just like looking to see, like, well, who do I know that's part of that who I could tell them to go, like, bother their friends to go check it out. Um, I mean, yeah, that yeah. would be awesome. I mean, anyone who just sort of wants to have that sort of hero in their life that, you know, that's obviously you want, you want those people to find this book because it's going to, you know, it's just going to mean even more to them. 
Yeah. Um, in terms of like the the long term plans, is is this just a limited series, or is this going to be an ongoing? I mean, right now it's just the four issues, I believe. Although mm-hmm. I would, I definitely would love to do an ongoing with this character. I'm just having a blast writing her. So hopefully, um, we'll. I mean, we'll see what word is in a couple months. Cool. You know, one thing I heard is from um, a writer on another comic site uh, who was a plus-sized woman who had said that she felt that some of the earlier portrayals, and I, I don't recall which she said or when, she felt like had actually had fat jokes in them. And, you know, I, uh, I think that I think that was the 90s. Uh, the 90s yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, I they actually I, I, I was I asked my editor, should I go back and read those? Because I hadn't read any of the 90s. Harbinger, and he's like, no, you don't need to. And from what I hear, yeah, she was <laughs> more of a joke character. And she was still, you know, she still had a lot of fans because I, I believe I know she was like a Star Trek fan. So. I, if if not a general comics and sci-fi geek like she is now, so I think there were still people who found something that they needed in the character. But it sounded like yeah, she ended up being more of a comedy inclusion than a full-fledged character in some instances. But um, I mean, I having read the first issue, and I'm not going to spoil anything. Like, I mean, I thought it was great. I think you nailed it. I don't think there was any, you know, issues around that. I. I'm I'm not sure if I'm like the most attuned person to that stuff, but I think I'm pretty attuned and I thought you did a great job of like writing it and having that not really be an issue. So I want to assure listeners to the best of my ability that I think this will make them happy. <laughs> Thank you. And I mean, that's something I'm working hard on and I don't want to necessarily just completely ignore that that can be an issue for people, but I'm also not really going to bring it up unless there's a story reason for it. You know, you don't want to just throw in and have a, like, oh, by the way, making fun of plus-size people is wrong and bad because people already know that. I mean, it, that's not – unless it's – there's it's like I said, unless it's a specific story reason, you don't need to include that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There a, was there a choice, speaking of, like, her design and look, um, for her being a redhead in her disguise? Um, I put that. That was actually when I was sort of looking for uh, examples of – like what she could be wearing as like a plus size woman in her office atmosphere. Cause I knew that would be different than like the t-shirts and jeans and shorts she wore, you know, just as a girl living at home posting on the internet. And uh, one of the first, uh, and I, I sadly, I lost the link to it. So I ended up not being able to send it to the artist, but one of the first like really great uh, plus size fashion blogs I found had this girl, this awesome like retro style, red hair and glasses. And I was like, that's what she should look like. And, of course, I didn't save the link because bad at research for sharing with other people, apparently. But, yeah, so it was it was a specific uh, plus-size fashion blogger who inspired it. And I wish I would. I wish I knew her name. Oh, wow. Well, I'll be on the lookout. That's very cool. With the uh, – the other thing I noticed, it's really – it's a sm- such a small detail. I noticed the L's are bolded in the issue. I don't know oh. if it was on purpose or not. It was interesting. I, I had to ask about it because it like jumped out at me, not negatively, but I know some creators put in like small little like winks and nods and puzzles. The I'm elves? guessing no. I'm going with no based on your reaction. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. They, I mean, there were. I'm trying to think of like any specific. Um. I definitely pushed to have all the text be in lowercase because I'm like she, you know, she's like 20 years old. She wouldn't. Be, I might text in proper capitalization and punctuation, like a 
English nerd loser, but she wouldn't. And honestly, my mother doesn't either. So uh-huh. I was like, she should she should text like a like a person just out of her teens as should uh, acts. But um, I'm trying to. I don't think I included anything else specific <laughs> in the lettering like that. Interesting. Okay. And I'm just being notice something weird. I was like, is it all secret code? You... Oh my! Well, some people do that, so that's why I'm like, looking I around, like if anyone can uncover the secret code, they'll win one million dollars. Uh, it's so all in actual binary. It... <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, uh, all million dollar winnings will be paid out by Valiant. Sorry, Valiant. <laughs> You're now automated. <laughs> so one one other question I had was sort of like. You know, when you have a character who has a positive attitude and, like, one of the reasons people like her is for that, you know, a bit of a ray of sunshine in a, in, in amongst a crowd that can be more dark and brooding, um, you know, and also, like, who's in a position of kind of being seen as potentially a role model because there really aren't a lot of or any other plus-sized women superheroes. How do you, like, keep that in mind while also making sure that they have, like, you know, complexity and aren't just like too good to be true, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting uh, conflict that I've been uh, working with because I, I tend on the darker side in terms of writing myself, which is interesting because right now I'm writing faith and I'm doing max ride uh, for Marvel, which is based on a YA series uh, book series by James Patterson, which can be a little dark, but it's still like more closer to an all ages book than, you know, like a, like the proper, uh, Marvel superhero universe. So I feel like I'm writing these lighter, a little bit happier books right now where I tend to like write horror, like to write horrible things and horror and everything. So I basically, yeah. I have to, I have to keep it, keep myself in check and be like, no, you don't, don't have someone get disemboweled in front of faith. That's probably not <laughs> good. Um, oh. it, it, but, uh, you know, I sort of look back to stuff I loved when I was younger, um, especially Sailor Moon sort of stands out because I think uh, the main character, Usagi, has a very similar, like, positive outlook on life and a similar dependence on friendship. And, yeah, that that series got really dark. I mean, she died, like, 15 times, and all of her friends did, too. So, <laughs> I, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a thing. Um, so I think you sort of have to look at other examples of, things that you loved because that's sort of what makes you want to tell the story of characters. Like, like I really do have a deep love of characters who their faith in people and their love of friendship are like some of their best qualities. And that's why I'm so excited to write faith because I haven't really gotten to write a character like that before. Um, so I think just pulling from all those inspirations um, just sort of helps give me a nice little, path to walk to you know the the anti-disemboweling path (laughs) (laughs) that's good and I definitely felt like you know the way she used her powers in this first issue I mean I'm not going to give any spoilers I thought that was that was that was pretty cool and like I wasn't there were a couple moments where I was like oh how would you deal with that given her power set and that you know she has to be ballsy to try it out because she's not sure some of this stuff is going to work yeah, I think that's sort of a fun thing playing with a character like her who's primarily been a team player and she's been on teams with people who are far more offensive in their power sets than she is. And now that she's working on her own, she has to learn how to use her powers in a different way than she has. So that's definitely a source of conflict and growth area for growth for her that's going to be fun to play with. 
you know what I I I was I didn't know at first that this was a character who had like existed before when I was looking into her and I kind of thought that like that maybe like it was on purpose that they had her flower the her powers being flight and then having this like field where she can also you know essentially like bring other people with her flying um, rather than having it be like fighting because she's like a plus size woman and not like a huge jock or anything. Um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. As I say, um, I don't know if that was intentional. I mean, I think the power, I think you have to go back to the original 90s version of the character because I believe that's where the powers that came from. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that I don't specifically have an answer for, but um, but no, you're right. She has been used more as a defensive character and uh, supporting support staff care type character. I'm trying to think of the gamer term right now and blanking on it. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I don't think she was sort of really shunted to the background either in terms of combat for Harbinger. She definitely was important. You know, cool. I think, yeah, there. So, but again, it's seeing how she works on her own, which is very different. And I think like having a having a character who doesn't have super strength can often lead to more interesting battles because of the problem solving that she has to do to win them. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm sure I like to think that she's not just a fan of, you know, all the happy, shiny superheroes, but I'm sure she's read plenty of Batman comics too. And you know, the detective, I mean, those are important skills to have. And I mean, I you know, I think she you know, obviously, like, the journalism career is the sort of, I think the, there's the line in the uh, actual comic, the classic secret identity, but, you know, it's also a classic secret identity because it's a source of information for the people to have access to in their alter ego. So, I, you know, I think she didn't just go in because it's like, oh, Clark Kent's a journalism, I'll do into journalism, I'll do that too. It's a, oh, here's a way to find out where there are people who need help. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Um, are there any comics that you are reading now that you would recommend to uh, other folks that we should be checking out, whether they're current or, or, or older things that are, you think readers might be wanting to look at? Oh gosh, I'm I'm I actually just moved at the end of last year, and I have I've been buying, I've been going and picking up all my comics, and I'm like about three months behind now. But <laughs> I I feel like the uh, safe recommendation is always Saga, which I've I've loved since day one and again I it was funny because the first issue of Saga came out the same day as Womanthology Heroic which has the story that I wrote that Fiona drew half the art for along with uh, Adriana Blake so I, I sort of had to jump on that uh, from day one so I've sort of been telling every I've tell all my Lyft drivers to read that book weirdly because uh, yeah, when, whenever I'm in the Lyft, uh, you know, or the Uber, they're always like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I write comics. Oh, comics are a thing. Yeah, there's this great book called Saga. You should read it. Here's why. So I actually tend to sell people more on Saga than my own stuff, which is probably bad marketing choice. Um, and I actually just after today, um, especially with uh, always passing, and since it's on everyone's mind, uh, The Wicked and the Divine, for anyone who isn't reading it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and I'd uh, just in terms of writers, um, anything Brian K. Vaughn's written aside from Saga, like Paper Girls, I'm a couple issues behind on, but that's been off to a great start. Uh, Jason Aaron is a safe bet for 
good books. I, he was actually, uh, him and Mark Wade brought me back into Marvel after I hadn't been reading for a while with uh, Wolverine and the X-Men and Daredevil. So uh, I'll read almost anything the two of them write. Um, I don't know. There's just so many good books. I keep trying to trim my pull list down and then like five new <laughs> books come out every week. I want to read. I feel like I could just like, I could blow all my comics money just on number ones and be okay. Um, yeah, for real. Yeah, it's just, um, well, this was, I think this, they just reprinted this trade and it's one of my favorites of all time. So I've been telling uh, everyone to get it is uh, Superman Secret Identity, which is oh. one of the best Superman stories ever that doesn't actually include Superman, although it kind of does. Was that a Wade one? Uh, oh, sorry, what, what was that? Was that a Mark, was that a Mark Wade one? No, um, oh gosh, I'm of course I'm blanking on the writer's I'm name. I'm not a, like a big Superman person, so I, I absolutely just have no idea. No idea. So I it's like a stand that it's a standalone miniseries about a kid who's born in the quote-unquote real world, and his parents name him Clark Kent. So everyone always makes jokes about that, and he always gets Superman stuff every year for his birthday. But then he somehow develops Superman's powers for real. That's kind of awesome. All right, I'm gonna have to look that it's, one up. Uh, Kurt Busiek and uh, Stuart Eminem did the art, so okay. top tier creators there. But just uh, it's 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 one of those stories that you just read and you're like, this is why I love comics and because it can tell this type of story and make me feel this way. Cool, cool. Thank you. It's a good list. Well, we're. we're- kept you on for quite a while um with our guests we always like to give them the platform to uh pitch their projects uh pitch where folks can find them online so the floor is yours to do exactly that okay i feel like i've pretty much pitched faith pretty well talking to you guys but um uh the best place to find me online is on twitter um it's at jody underscore hauser so uh at j-o-d-y underscore h-o-u-s-e-r and i'm there probably too much but yeah that's i have a facebook page but i'm bad about keeping it up and i have a website that is about five months out of date since before i moved that i'm fixing up very shortly but uh yeah twitter's the safest bet for me to to find what what's going on and also pictures of bacon today um and just random stuff (laughs) you know you know like all social media Bacon is important. It's all driven by bacon and cats. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah, that's so pretty much. Yeah, uh, food, food, food picks and cats. <laughs> well, uh, much appreciated you coming on. It's been a great discussion, and can't uh, can't wait to you know the comic to get on the shelves and folks can check it out. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me, and I'm glad, I'm just glad you guys are excited about the book, really. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm i not going to speak for a lot, but I can say this was one of the, the books I've been looking forward to the most for 2016. Oh, yeah. yeah. This was on my yeah, list of things that we were most excited about for 2016. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw, I saw it come out, I think it was a Hollywood Reporter and Vox put it on their list for, like, you know, top comics to look out for in 2016, and I'm like, crap, no pressure there, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, seriously, I'm excited that I'm just, it's just really gratifying when people are excited about a book and there is that, you know, feeling that it, it is, like you said, finding the people who have been waiting for it, whether they knew they were waiting for it or not. Perfect. Cool. 
yeah. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll let you go. But again, thank you for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks. Bye. Take care. All right. Yeah. So uh, I read it. You've read it. I I'm it basically met all my expectations for a comic. Um, I don't want to spoil it since we were very cool. You know, Valen's been very cool with us to give us a, a very early look so we could do this mm-hmm. interview. Yes, uh, but I, I, I personally felt that it met my expectations and it, which were very high to begin with. Um, it was a very fun comic. Mm-hmm, definitely, and I think it'll be really readable for new folks too. So yeah, it was that nice, positive, fun vibe that you don't see too often in comics. So bravo for everyone. Um, so I, we, you know, we still have some time. I know you, uh, you want to talk about Bowie. So the floor yeah, is all yours. yeah. So in interest of not just talking about things that have to do with myself, um, I want to just talk a little bit more about some Bowie stuff related to comics. Uh, I know that a lot of folks listening to this podcast are fans of The Wicked Plus The Divine. I recommend that comic to everybody. It's one of the best comics around by far. Um, Karen Gill and Jamie McKelvey. Uh, and in it, the general principle is that um, – there's a reincarnated deities who are reincarnated every 90 years. They only live for two years and they're teenagers. And in this incarnation, they're pop stars. Uh, one of the characters, Lucy is the God Lucifer. And um, she's very specifically explicitly inspired by David Bowie in his thin white, thin white Duke era. Um, she's got his suit and like uh, his haircut and his whole swagger. And it's awesome. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I'm sure that there's a whole generation of folks who somehow are growing up deprived of Bowie's music, but who will now know about it, actually, through Wicked Plus the Divine. And, um, you know, Jamie McElvey is a com I'm sorry, yeah, Sharon Ginn is a comics writer who's written a lot about the importance of music in his work, and he puts together playlists um, for his comics. And uh, I was really curious, you know, how was he going to respond to Bowie's death to, to, when it was announced? And, um he actually wrote a short piece on his Tumblr that if it was written by somebody else, you would regard it as being fanfic. But since it's written by the actual co-creator of the series, it's not fanfic. It's more like, I don't know, an apocryphal text. I'm not quite sure what the right word is. I think I said on Tumblr that it was more of a midrash if you want to get biblical on it. But he wrote a short story about Lucy meeting David Bowie. Um, and folks should go and check that out. If you read Wicked, I think it'll be very meaningful to you. I know it was very meaningful to me. Actually, even if you don't read the Wicked and the Divine, the Wicked plus the Divine, and you like David Bowie, I think you'd find it very meaningful. Um, so go if you look for Kieran Gillen's Tumblr, you will see it. The story is called Immortality of Immortality of a Kind. Um, additionally, another good thing to look at is Shanti Collins. Um, and Isaac Morass have a web comic that I tweeted just recently um, called It Must Be the Effects of the Cocaine that is about David Bowie's time in L.A. in the 70s. It's, um, I guess it's sort of like alternative history. I mean, it's inspired by biographical writing, but it's not to be taken literally. Um, it's really fascinating and a quick read. Probably more interesting probably more of interest to people who actually like like Bowie than it would be to the general audience. But I really thought it was wonderful. He made it a couple of years ago. Now's a good time to revisit it. Um, and, you know, another, a couple of my friends and I were actually all talking about getting David Bowie tattoos together and memorial. 
And one of my friends um, just, you know, I did point it out, which I think is something that is worth reflecting on, that uh, David Bowie is the art inspiration for Lucifer in Sandman, in the Sandman comics uh, from going back in the 80s. Um, so he is Lucifer twice over in comic books, and very few people can be said to have the same. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of geek culture that references his music, and I think it's because it was so important to so many outsiders growing up um, and continues to be today. So, wow, uh, yeah, it's, that references his music. Oh, totally. I mean, obviously, the Venture Brothers, like the actual big bad, is actually David Bowie. Actually, David Bowie. Um, Although eventually they went and said it was actually a shapeshifter pretending to be David Bowie, but perhaps David Bowie just is that shapeshifter. It's it's confusing, but um, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, science fiction, like you can definitely say that, you know, albums like Diamond Dogs is a science fiction album. Like it is taking place in a future world and it deals with the dystopia. You know, there's huge references to science fiction happening in the world as it is today within stuff like Ziggy Stardust. Um, and in his late, later work from like the 90s, like outside, I mean, there's just huge amounts of science fiction throughout his throughout his, his music. So I think there's a lot for geeks to get into on that. And like I said, folks should check out his last album because it was really remarkable. Black Star. Yeah. Yeah, it's one I, I haven't listened to it yet today, or yet, but um, I made sure to grab a copy so I can listen to it this week. Awesome, um, awesome. Definitely, uh, I, I will say I didn't know Bowie very well, not an artist I listen to generally, um, but the, the way that he seems to have wrapped up his life knowing what was coming is, I think, amazing um, artistically and shows how uh, how brilliant he was and is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to to put together a piece of music like in the face of imminent death, you know, and like having to push yourself to finish it and go through it. Uh, people should definitely read the short story, the short little bit from Kieran Gillen. Go read that. I think you, you'll you'll like it. It hits on some of the things that you just mentioned there as well. Um, oh, and of course, I have my review I did of. Uh, the new Teen Titans comic um, that I named The Rise and Fall of Dick Nightwing and the Spiders from Tamarin because I had realized upon reading this comic that David Bowie is also Dick Grayson. So, uh, you know, those parallels are sort of apparent in various ways. I uh, have a piece on my Twitter of um, my commission that I had Kevin Wada do for me was of Dick Grayson in his Nightwing 70s disco jumpsuit as David Bowie, because the jumpsuits are complementary. They both are men of jumpsuits and alien love. So, uh, yeah, folks can check that out, too. So, yeah, I think that's all that I can say that wouldn't be just ridiculously personal. But, yeah, that's that's my attempt to talk about comics with regards to David Bowie without talking about my childhood for long stretches of time. No, he did. Uh, I think you've emphasized of how important he was and how much of an impact he was to uh, um, the comic industry and geekdom. Yeah, artists. Yeah, really. Like, um, 
just like for people who just didn't feel like they fit in where they were. And yeah. also just sort of like visually, like to be like, you can look, you don't have to look the way you were born. You can look and reconfigure your body as art and have it reflect how you feel inside. And then you have the right to completely change it later. Like there is no final draft. Um, I think it was pretty radical. Yes. So. Yes, yes, yes. Um, cool. Well, thank you again. Up your two articles. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also, oh, I'll send this also, there's also a, um, a sketchbook of, like, underground comics artists who did sketches with Bowie that Shanti Collins accumulated uh, over years that I'll send you a link to that as well. But, okay. And, okay, second one up. Well, thanks, you guys. Um, I hope folks are getting through today and uh, doing it together. Even if your friends in real life aren't into Bowie, your friends on social media certainly are. So it's a good time to reach out there. I haven't seen an outpouring like this pretty much ever. Um, It's been uh, impressive. It would be, yeah, an understatement. Um, So we are back next week, Tuesday, for another Jonesing for Jessica, I believe. The 19th? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll be back next Tuesday for a brand new episode of Jonesing for Jessica, where we will talk the 10th episode. Um, For those who don't know, we've been going episode by episode for Marvel Netflix, uh, Jessica Jones, um, and we are up to episode 10. So we have a uh, guest for every single one. It's been awesome. You can check out all the archived ones uh, on demand, either right here on Blog Talk Radio we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, or Graphic Policy, or SoundCloud. Uh, we post them all over the place. So uh, join us next Tuesday for that. Um, uh, before we wrap up, I want to thank uh, Jody again for joining us. It was really, really cool having her. Um, it feels great to be able to recommend and be able to push a, uh, a comic that we're both really excited for. And you know, it just feels good to, uh, to push something positive and fun. Um, so it was great having her. You should check out Faith Number One when it hits comic shelves this month. Um, as always, thanks for listening. You can find us every single day at graphicpolicy.com. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, all at Graphic Policy, keeping it nice and consistent. So until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Brett. And I'm Ilana. Keep it geeky. <laughs> <laughs>